0: morning everyone. If you have your Bible there, you might like to turn to the Gospel of John chapter 8, please. John chapter 8. Um, Thank you, John, for reading from Galatians for us. Paul writing in Galatians speaks about the freedom that we have in Christ, and Jesus introduces that Thought here as we look at it today, um, John chapter 8, and I'll read from, from verse 30. So, John chapter 8, verse 30. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, I know you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the things your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, Let's, let's pray and ask God's blessing on us. Father, we truly believe that this is the Word of God. It is not something that men made up, neither John the Apostle, nor any translators who translated it into English for us, but it is the inspired Word of God as originally given. We have had it translated, but Lord, we take it as the work of the Holy Spirit working through your holy, inspired Word to speak to us. And we believe, O God, that you will speak to us through it this morning, for we call on you, and you are the God who hears and answers prayer. Lord, bless us. Bless us as we take time to study your word. Bless our children in this building, Lord God. Thank you for them also, as Shane has already prayed. Let them, while still young, cling to the word of God and desire to understand it. Lord God, for any who are not able to be here among us this morning, We pray your blessing on them. Encourage them also to spend time with your people, to spend time in your word. For, Lord, it is a gift beyond anything this world can offer. Thank you for it. Bless it to us, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, thank you, John, as I said, for reading that passage earlier from from Galatians. Um, I suppose beginning this morning, I'd ask you a question. Suppose you had a friend, someone, not a friend, really, but you knew someone who was a very shifty character. Everything he did, he had an ulterior motive. He had, he had, he had designs in everything he did. Always you felt he is not trustworthy. If he greeted you with hello, you think, why is he being nice to me? If he, if he says, thank you, you're thinking it's because he wants me to do him a favor. If he says, can you, can you help me with something? You know there's always a second motive. There's always something in his mind. He is shifty character, deceitful. And all he ever does is for his own purposes. He's selfish, self-centered, untrustworthy. Nothing is ever as it seems with him. And the worst thing is he has some sort of a hold on you so that you can never really say, I want to have nothing more to do with this guy. You're always going to be under his sway. And that is what the devil is like. He has a hold on this world. He has a hold on mankind. And the hold he has is sin. Because sin grips us. It's the way the world behaves. It's the way the devil holds us. And we are all going to be under his sway unless we are set free. And that's what Jesus came to do when he says here he will set us free. That is what he promises. Free from the influence of Of the world free from the influence of the devil in our lives and true freedom is actually being a slave a slave to Jesus Christ it is not being free to do our own thing it is submitting ourselves to Jesus and Jesus is speaking here as we have said to the people who have already said they they put their faith in him they've believed in him and now he puts it to the test but their reaction tells a lot about what they really believe. They misunderstand Jesus as he's talking then about freedom. For them, freedom is something external. It's something being free from being someone else's slave or servant. <clears throat> it's political. It's, it's practical. But when Jesus is speaking about freedom, he's speaking about spiritual freedom, something that sets you and me free But more than that, Jesus is not just talking about spiritual freedom. He offers that to you, but he also offers what I would call personal freedom. And and that's what we're going to look at this morning. Because despite everything Jesus has said so far, and he's been talking for for quite a while in this passage, and and always keep in mind that when we get an account of Jesus talking to people, we get just the bare bones of it, just, just a snippet. Jesus, you know, he, he spoke many, many more words than this, as John the Gospel writer tells us. But we just get a touch of what he is saying. But he's speaking about escape from, from sin, but more than that, liberation. It is being set free. You can escape. A slave could escape from, from his master, but he would always be a slave. It's just he would be a slave in hiding. But Jesus is talking about liberty. That's why he uses the illustration of being a son as opposed to a slave in a household. Because sin has taken hold of this world. And sin, as we said last week, sin brings death. That's one of the consequences of of sin. When God said to Adam and Eve, the day you eat of it, you will die. They didn't die physically immediately, but they died spiritually. And that is the effect of sin. It brings death. But more than death, sin brings mistrust, fear, tension, and that, that self-defense that we have, that mindset of I must look after myself because I cannot trust others. And that's the, the frustration of sin. It takes hold of us and it affects every, every area of our lives. Sin, like death, hangs like a cloud over our lives. And just because the modern world will deny the existence of sin, it's still there. Sin is obvious in this world, despite what society will say. But the people here, anyway, have no idea whatsoever what Jesus is talking about when he's offering freedom. Because the problem with mankind is that we hear what we want to hear, and we see what we want to see. We're we're conditioned to be like that. And for the Jews of Jesus' time, they thought, well freedom is is not being a slave to some tyrant or, or overseer and so they were offed, they were offended when jesus said that you are you are slaves and they said we've never been slaves of anyone we're descendants of abraham no reality is the jews were enslaved many times they were enslaved in in babylon they were enslaved in in egypt but somehow mankind has a capacity to to think i will never i will for anybody's slave even you know for Ireland was was ruled by by Britain for many many years and yet if you if you talk to some very nationalist people in their thinking they'll say oh yeah they they dominated us but at heart we were always free No, we were slaved we were dominated not slaves but we were ruled by them but human nature resents being told you are a slave there is that resentment in us And so for the Jews also, they say, well, we've never been slaves of anybody, despite what their history would say. And man has an incredible capacity to deny reality. And when they then realized that Jesus was talking about spiritual things, their reaction was was something similar. They said, well, we're children of Abraham. We are of, of special lineage, special descent. We're better than all the other people in the world. And Jesus said, no, you're not children of Abraham. You're children of the devil. That's who your children are. And it's, it's a very, very sharp thing to say, obviously, very, very offensive. But Jesus had to drive home the reality of their position because they didn't realize how precarious their situation is. They still believed in their own inherent goodness. And a bit like the Jews... Everybody thinks in their own way that somehow I'm good before God. Even if nobody else is not, is "I'm actually good at heart." and all of us believe that we may not see ourselves as being descendants of Abraham, but we each one of us have our own sense of self-righteousness. We think how religious we are, or how good we are, or how intellectually understanding we are. We all somehow believe that we're not only good, but we're better than average. And you, you know, I've, I've often used the illustration before the survey done of, of the average driver. And the average driver believes he's better than the average driver. It's, it's one of those ridiculous anomalies. But we all tend to think, like, I'm actually better than most. And all of us think that. But that's human nature, isn't it? We deceive ourselves. And when Paul is writing the Galatians, he's saying, Christ came to redeem those who are under the law, that's the, those who were trying to justify themselves before God, because that's what the Jews were always trying to do, justify themselves, keep the law, and say, I've done it. And he, Jesus described people who were trying to justify themselves as being in slavery. Jesus came and he said, you can be free simply by turning to me. If the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And all you need to do is to become a child of God. You will no longer be a slave when you're a child. And all that the law could never do, and the Jews are trying to keep the law, and, and you and I try to be good people before God in one way or another, and we cannot we cannot impress God. Whether it's the Old Testament law or our own religious efforts, nothing we ever do. Can set us free from the grip of sin nothing we ever do can impress God and the reality is that no one will ever find the way of salvation if he does not need, see his need of salvation and that's why Jesus is being so severe on them here because if you do not realize that you're a sinner you won't do anything about it and Jesus is saying to them you're children of the devil you behave like the devil he is a liar and you are deceitful as well. Can't you see it in yourself? And they couldn't. So Jesus promises freedom. He's promising not freedom from Roman domination or, or anything else. What Jesus is talking about is, is spiritual freedom. And it, it's, it, spiritual freedom, is, is there are a number of aspects to it. It is obviously, firstly you could say it's freedom from fear of condemnation. If you know that you're a child of God that you are right with God. You are free from the condemnation of sin in your life. God will never say to you, go to hell, because he has sent his son to redeem you. That's the first thing. You can never be condemned. You are free of condemnation. And God looks on you with love rather than with the wrath of God. You're, you're free also from, from that sense of guilt in your sin, feeling guilty. Um, Evelyn and myself were reading during the week just our our daily readings and there was a woman described something in in her childhood Uh, she she went into a shop um, with with some friend and she thought she could trust this friend but as she was in the shop with this friend of hers this friend stole some things and put them in, in in her pocket not in her own pocket but in in her her pocket and she walked out with these things in her pocket she she didn't know what to do she felt what can I do? And and her friend ushered her out and they had stolen things and she felt, my friend caused me to steal things. And she went home feeling guilty, knowing she had done wrong. She told her mom and eventually she and her mom went back to the shop and they put things right. But the feeling of guilt, I have done wrong, even though she had not been caught, that sense of I have done wrong, that is what sin does to us. But again, Jesus sets you free. He says, I have taken both the guilt, the condemnation, and the sense of guilt from you. I am freeing you from these things. Free to rejoice in your salvation. When David was, was um, challenged by Nathan the prophet, and he wrote the Psalms, he says, restore to me. He didn't say restore to me my salvation. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And that is what Jesus gives, he says. Rejoice in the freedom that you know when your sins are forgiven. Another aspect of, it, of, of freedom is that you are free from, from being a slave to sin. There is the sense that for a Christian, when you have the Holy Spirit in your life, there is no sin can dominate you. Because the Holy Spirit is within you, there is no, though you will always struggle with sin, There is no reason why you should ever have to give in to sin because the Spirit of God within you enables you to overcome all sin. And I'm not preaching perfection in that we will always struggle, but there is the ability to say turn from sin as never before. Jesus says you are free from the hold of sin in your life. That is what Jesus does for us. You can resist it as never before. There's also what Jesus gives you is is by by the Spirit of God within you, the freedom to appreciate spiritual truths such as these. That's why when when Jesus is talking to these people here, they cannot comprehend what he is saying. They have no understanding of it because they do not have the Spirit of God enlightening them. But the freedom that Christ brings, it, it enlightens our mind. To understand spiritual things. To desire spiritual things. It it also gives us further than that. It gives us freedom from You are no longer enslaved to that sense of obligation. I have to do these things to please God. No. Jesus has done everything. You do not earn your salvation. You are free from the sense of the burden of... For the Jew it was the burden of the law... I must keep the law. I must keep the law. No, no. Jesus says, you're free. You are no longer under law, but under grace. And this is what Christ does for for his people. He sets you free from the feeling of guilt in your life, uh, of not being subject to law, whether it's the Old Testament law or whether it's simply obeying law to, to please God. This is what Christ does for us. Finally, you're no longer Jesus is saying, you're no longer children of the devil, but children of God. And the reality is what what Jesus is saying here when he says, you are children of your father, the devil. It is a, a terribly serious thing to say, but it's Jesus has said this, and it also applies to you and me by nature. We are by nature children of the devil. He holds sway over us. That is why I introduced at the start that sense of someone who holds dominion, who holds influence over you all the time. He has sin as his vehicle to hold you and to captivate you. But Jesus sets you free. You are free from all these things that you could never free yourself from. That's why it's the Son sets you free. You cannot free yourself. And this is the riches of of what Christ is offering to people here. It is the riches of of things that we perhaps don't give enough thought to in our own lives. But beyond this even, I will say, it's not just spiritual freedom that surrendering Christ gives us. It also gives us a a sense of a, a personal freedom so we can find ourselves free from from things so we can we can live as fulfilled Christians, and what I mean is is this: Paul writes, for example, in, in Romans, he, he says um, that all of creation is is subject to decay, and that is that this whole world, you know, we were worried about the wasps out there earlier. Okay, Steve announced that there's wasps out there. This world, it has pain, it has suffering, it has. Bad things happen. This is sin ruling and dominating this world. It happened with the fall. Sin came. Pain and, and Ill, illness, whether it's, whether it's you hurt yourself or whether you're sick or whatever, the outworking finally is death, obviously. But this world is subject to decay. It is, it's not a great place. It's a beautiful world. God created it beautiful. But when sin came... It just took hold of it, and it's, it's gnawing and it's pulling down this world. It's subject to the effect of sin, but thank God one day we will all, with, with Jesus, be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. But What Paul is saying is that in all of this world, more than any other creature, man has been affected by sin. And it's, it's not just physically, it's not just spiritually, but it's also affected us personally. I'll, I'll explain that now. And it's, it's why we, we, for example, mistrust people. We're fearful. You know, you're, you're buying a new car or you're buying a second-hand car. I wonder, I must get it checked out because maybe this guy isn't telling me the full picture. Maybe this car has been crashed. You don't know. And there is that sense of mistrust, that the world has taught us to have, life has taught us to have. And those, those personal issues, the, the fear, the tension, the defensive mindset that all of us have. <clears throat> and it affects our lives so much. We are bound by the effect of sin. Even in ourselves, we're afraid. We are fearful. And all of society is strangled by sin in relationships, and yet the gospel, Jesus says, it sets you free. And, and I would ask, and, and I know this having seen it myself, how many marriages have been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ entering into a home? Many of them, I can tell you. Homes that were wrecked by, by sin and selfishness, but the gospel comes and it says, no more of this. Jesus says, I want to free you from yourself and your selfishness. And I, I remember the, the, the incident, and maybe I've used it before again as an illustration, but there was a, a, a Christian man arguing for, for the, the reality of, of Christianity with an atheist. And the atheist says, why don't you turn water into wine? Then I'll believe the gospel. And the man said, I cannot turn water into wine, but I can take you to a home and I can show you where whiskey was turned into furniture because that is the transformation of the gospel where an alcoholic can say, I don't need these things anymore and his home is restored and refreshed by Christ entering. This is what Jesus does. He takes away sin from your life and he sets you free and it affects every aspect of your life. How many broken people, whom the world has cast aside, have found the joy that coming to Christ gives? And heaven alone will reveal what's happened. Being free in Christ gives us the confidence to do what is right and to live in a way that's right. It takes the fear of being found out away because we are all hiding. Every one of us is hiding in one way or another. But Jesus gives us confidence, because we can see, I'm right with God. Why should I fear what others think? I, I can remember story uh, hearing the story in, in the shipyards in Belfast, uh, when there was a, a religious revival in Belfast, I think it was in the 1930s, 1940s. And the, and the story, people's lives were so transformed, men who were working in the shipyards in Belfast. Who had been over the years stealing things, pocketing things for themselves. And they actually had to open a small warehouse to contain all the things that were returned to the shipyard by people who were converted to Christ. So many of them became Christians and they realized these tools I have taken, they don't belong to me I must bring them back. These little stools, these little items I've stolen I must return them. It sounds like they are becoming enslaved to something, but it's not. They are free because Jesus has taken hold of their lives. And John, in, in his letter, in First in, in John chapter 4, in verse 18, he says, There is no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. There is no fear in love. It sets you free. Because of our sinful or fearful nature, we tend to cover up. The first thing, remember, Adam and Eve in the garden. What was the first thing they did after they had sinned? They covered up. They covered physically. But then when God came, they hid themselves. And it wasn't just physical hiding. It was hiding their hearts. It was saying, I do not want God to see what I'm really like. And we, dealing with each other, say, I do not want you to know what I'm really like, what I'm really thinking. I do not want these things because I must cover up. And that sense of self-awareness suddenly took over in their lives. I need to hide. But Jesus says, you don't need to hide. I want to set you free. And it isn't the physical hiding that's important to us. It is the emotional the personal hiding that affects us most. And that's what John is meaning when he says here that perfect love drives out fear because none of us wants to let our guard down. We all want to protect ourselves. But Jesus says, I have come to set you free. It's too painful, we think. I don't want others looking in my life. But Jesus says, relax, trust me. You don't need to hide anything from me. We can't, anyway. Jesus knows our hearts, our deepest thoughts, and and all the petty things. You know the 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 horrible thing about sin and about how it it holds us. It's it's so very very small in so many ways. It's like I don't want someone to jump in the queue in front of me, and all of us feel that at times. I want to get a, a better result in the exam than her. I I want to get in a raise at work because someone else got a raise I want and it's putting me first and Jesus says no it's not about you when, when John read earlier from from Galatians he's, he read the acts of the sinful nature are obvious but the acts of the Spirit the fruit of the Spirit is love joy peace patience kindness and these are the things Jesus says I want to bring out in your life I want you to be free to be the person you really should be. If you remember in, in the Gospels, the, the James and John, the two apostles, and they, they said, Jesus, when, when we all get to, to the kingdom of heaven, can one of us be on your right and one of us on your left? It was that small little ego of theirs saying, I want to be nearest to Jesus. And Jesus rebuked them for it. Or, or remember the woman who poured perfume on Jesus' feet, and she, they, they rebuked, this money should have been sold in the money, this should have been sold in the money given to the poor. And Jesus rebuked them and said, no, no, you've got it wrong. She has done a beautiful thing. Their pettiness was always coming out. But that is sin ruling our lives, taking hold of us. And it's that slavery to, to self-obsession that Jesus came to deal with But the sad thing is, the scary thing is, folks, it is a slow and a painful and a lifetime process. Jesus setting you free, it will take your whole life. But thank God there will be an end. You will be free finally when Jesus comes back. We'll always wrestle with our sinful nature. Jesus came to set us free from it but it means dying to sinful, self-centered attitudes, letting go of the things that put me first and allowing Jesus to have his way. And all of us know it should be like that, but we struggle. We will always struggle. Jesus came not just to deal with sin and its consequences, but with sinful, selfish behavior in us the things that subtly damage our relationships with others and even with ourselves. For the the freedom that Christ gives, it causes us to look within ourselves and to see where our, our sinful pride puts us first, and it damages us. And I think all of us know that, that in putting me first, I damage myself. But Jesus came and he said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And it's that becoming a slave of Jesus means I don't need to worry anymore about myself. Jesus has done everything to free me from my sin, but from the the hold of sin in my inner man. And in Colossians, Paul wrote, Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belong to it? Do you still submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? And Paul says these rules, though they have an appearance of wisdom, are all destined to perish. And we make rules and make rules, but Jesus says, live by the Spirit and you will no longer be controlled by the sinful nature. You will no longer be under the law, against the law, because, because God's law is based on grace. So as I say, spiritual freedom, it leads to personal freedom. But the one thing that we need to be careful of in the world we live in. When the world speaks of freedom, it has a different concept of it completely. Because when when the world speaks of freedom, it talks about your rights, about human rights, about employees' rights, personal space, about the the right to express yourself without being contradicted, about being under nobody's judgment and, and free to be what you want to be. That is not what Jesus is talking about here. That is not true freedom. That is becoming a slave to your own selfishness. When Jesus talks about freedom, he says, you become a servant of mine, a slave of mine, and I will set you free. To live otherwise is plain selfishness. When the world says you have your rights, you have your freedom to be what you want to be, it is putting self back on the throne This is contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is sin. It's being enslaved to self again. When you come to Christ, you lose all your rights, all ownership over your life. You have been bought at a price. You are not your own, is how Paul phrased it. Just to remind us again what true freedom is when when Paul writes in Galatians, and I'll read, reread what, what John read just a moment ago. And he says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The, the works of the flesh are evident. Immorality, impurity, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. These are, are, are the things that, that sin has a hold on us. But he says, The work of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And I suspect that most of you here know those off by heart. But as we would often say, knowing the Bible and putting it into practice are two very different things. And the challenge for us to be true Christians, free in Christ, is to put those things into practice in our lives. May the Lord bless the the study of his word as we continue to live it out in our lives. Let's pray and ask his blessing. Father, I thank you for your word, which always challenges us. Lord, whether it's poorly preached or well preached, it is the word of God. It convicts us and convinces us of reality. And the reality is that we have a sinful nature by nature, but Christ came to set us free. And I pray that for everyone here this morning, Lord God, that all of us would appreciate what Jesus has done for us and that we would seek to live godly lives in response to a godly, wonderful salvation. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace to us in speaking through your word. And all this we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.